Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclist Magazine podcast. I'm Will Strickson. I'm here with Emma Cole. Emma, how are you today? Oh, I'm fabulous, thank you. I'm absolutely loving this sunshine. And I'm actually so buzzed for this podcast because it's one of my true passions. We've got coming up here alongside cycling. We've got a trail running specialist with us. And Will, Will has just done a triathlon. So apparently us cyclists are not all about just cycling. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people might have just pressed like and and listen now. What? You, I can only do cycling. I guarantee there are some more trail runners out there. Oh yeah, definitely. My thing with the uh, triathlon is that I always loved swimming when I was young. Didn't do it then for 15 years. So training for this was like the first time I'd swum since I was like 11 years old. But still really fun. But running, I have like up and down moments with. So I sort of can't fully relate to someone that runs 150k over mountains which we're about to hear about but I think it's quite hard to relate to someone that runs 150k over mountains that's quite a unique thing to do so don't beat yourself up about it yeah yeah (laughs) but you've also you've just done well say just in the last few months you did your great bike packing adventure which I'm sure everyone listening to would have kept up to date with What's your next challenge? Are you going to do some trail running or are you going to stick to cycling? Well, I like to do a challenge every year. My challenge this year was London to Tunisia on a bike. My challenge last year was a 50k trail ultramarathon. My 50k, challenge... is that it? I know, honestly, it sounds rubbish. <laughs> like, And I remember being on the trail because you could do 50 or 100. And I remember being on the trail and everyone was very chatty and you'd be like oh which one are you doing and everyone said 100 and I was like oh I'm just doing 50k <laughs> like, just all 50K. This funny... yeah and they were like no don't say it like that but it was just this really funny thing with perspective that suddenly you hear someone doing like that and you're like oh god mine wasn't actually very impressive I mean it's impressive to run anything at all I think so yeah trying not to get caught up with that but my next challenge I've got a few on the horizon that I want to do I want to run the West Highland Way um it's about 150k in Scotland this amazing trail and my friend walked it last May and I just like oh I want to get my running trainers on that it's also mountain bikeable yeah oh interesting yeah but I think it'd be really really hard to run it there is an actual ultra race as well people do it in under 14 hours which is bonkers um I won't be doing it then um but I'm taking a more relaxed approach but yeah I want to run it and then I also want to do a cycling running cycling challenge where I've just got the restrap harness which I'm obsessed with and basically I want to cycle maybe like 100k explain a bit what the restrap harness does yeah so sorry the restrap harness basically makes your bike into a backpack Uh, So you can just sling it on your back and run with it. This is my plan. So I want to do maybe a 100k cycle, gravel cycle, and then run up a big hill with the bike on my back. So maybe run, I think, like half marathon. Is that reasonable? And then cycle another 100k. Only 20k run. 21k. Is that it? I know, I know. But do you know what? It's really uncomfortable running with a bike on your back is what I'm discovering. Well, you need to make sure you've got the lightest bike possible. That, oh, yeah. But then, I don't know, I'm kind of like, I want to make it a bit realistic. What do you mean realistic? You're running, you want to run 20k <laughs> up a hill. Yeah, I know. It'll be really slow. And also because, you know, on lots of footpaths, sometimes you get to a bridal way, you're having a great time and then bang, bridal way ends, footpath begins. That's when bang, bike goes on the back and you keep running. That in my you head. Run it. Yeah. yeah, I've just got to work out where to put my trainers do you know what it sounds like 
Emma, it sounds like you're getting into cyclocross is what it actually sounds like. It sounds like you'd like to do like a long distance cyclocross rather than like the hour effort. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's what maybe that's what the long distance cyclocross challenge. There is um and I'll have to get back to you on what it was called, I can't remember what it is, but there was a pretty hefty cyclocross race in Yorkshire somewhere that you can do. Okay, well maybe I'll yeah, maybe I'll do that. That would be quite nice to aim for. But I want to do it in celebration of the countryside. You just want to do it on your own, don't you? No, not well, you know, anyone's welcome to join. Um You can do three peak cyclocross. There you go. Oh, oh my God, yeah, that'd be really hard. That sounds quite cool. Okay, I'm going to look into it. Um, But let's get back to the real star of the show. Welcome to the podcast, Christian Meyer. Christian Meyer, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. How are the legs feeling? Legs are actually not too bad. Muscularly seem to recover pretty well, but generally was was very quite tired uh just you know sleepy tired um and about today was actually the first day where i felt pretty normal like i didn't need to take a nap every five minutes but um <laughs> and that's been about 10 days ish out so it, it takes a while to to come back but now starting starting to come around yeah can you tell us a little bit about the race why you chose to do it what it felt like lining up on the start line because was that your first time at utmb yeah, so not my first time at UTMB. Um, two years ago, I ran the MCC, which is a kind of marathon distance. And that was kind of my first, one of my first kind of real trail races. And then last year, I ran the CCC, which is the 100K race. And then this year, lined up at TDS, which originally is around 148 kilometers. But this year, due to bad weather, we had a bit of a reroute. So it ended up being. Uh, a little bit longer, ended up being around 157 total kilometers. And why, I mean, why did I choose the TDS? I mean, it's it's interesting for me. TDS is generally known as a, a slightly more rugged course. It generally has close to the same amount of climbing as the UTMB, but it's around 20 kilometers shorter. So it's a bit more rugged, a little bit more technical. It runs quite a different course than than the others because most of the other races at UTMB are based around the Tour de Mont Blanc, which is obviously a very famous hiking route. So most of the races, they're taking a part of that route, whereas TDS is very much completely its own route. So it really appealed to me a little bit more for that reason, um, kind of being more rugged. And and to be honest, it's also it's the first race of the week. So it's on the Monday when, well, we start Monday at midnight, but whereas most of the races are later in the week, which sounds kind of crazy, but then you actually, in a sense, kind of get to enjoy the rest of the week versus sitting around stressed for the whole week and then racing at the end of the week. And that UTMB week is really quite exceptional in terms of atmosphere and just the vibe and the people and, and everything that goes around it is so cool that it's kind of like it's nice to be able to to get to enjoy a bit of that rather than kind of you know staying off your feet and 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 kind of prepping for the race so it's over nine thousand meters of elevation right running yeah that's just to a cyclist that's just absolutely insane that's just ridiculous yeah i mean it, it sounds like a lot but you know it's really funny when i was cycling um 
when I was a rider, I didn't particularly love climbing. I mean, I was kind of okay at it just because, you know, I'm a smaller guy and, and, and had, you know, let's say the build for it, but I was by no means a world-class climber, you know, like, I mean, I could get up decently, but I, I was not in the top 10 climbers, but running, I really, really enjoy climbing. Um, and it's a, it's a different beast because when you're racing that long, um, you know, one thing that maybe a lot of people who don't follow sports so much don't understand, but like generally, you know, the climbs are very steep. So you gain the altitude relatively quickly, you know, for us doing a climb, you know, most of the climbs are taking in over a thousand meters vert in one single climb. So, you know, that's quite a lot. And you do that in five, six, seven kilometers, you know, so they're very steep and we use poles. So you're actually kind of, in essence, hiking a lot of the really steep climbs and then running the downhills and the flats and, and let's say the shallower grades, but it's a different kind of effort, but the climbing is something that in trail running, I'm very suited to and something I really enjoy and probably one of my strongest points. So in that sense, it's the more climbing, the better, to be honest. <laughs> and when you were doing the TDS, were there, were there any really tricky moments or was it just a breeze? Because you made it look a bit like a breeze. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, no, obviously it's tough, but like, you know, one thing that you learn in sport and that you have in cycling and, and you like, if you watch the Tour de France, Pogacar makes climbing look like a breeze, you know, but the reason it's like that is because you have prepared to do that. You know, I mean, you spend a long time training, you're like, nothing is ever a breeze and it looks easy, but it takes a lot of work to be able to, I guess, make it look like that. Um, but on the inside, you're still suffering. I mean, you know, if you're climbing a bike, you I mean, everybody's suffering the same, just one person's going faster than the other, you know, but in the end you need, you know, you're putting in the same amount of effort. But for us, the biggest factor probably was the weather. I mean, we, so we start in Courmayet in Italy on the Monday around midnight. And on the first climb, which is the Petit Saint Bernard, uh, they were calling for around zero degrees in snow, which it was. So it was snowing over the first climb. Um, so the biggest factor was kind of managing your clothing, managing core temperature, making sure you were taking care of yourself in both aspects of not getting too hot at the beginning and not getting too cold at the top and visibility was very poor because the snow was kind of coming head on so with you know obviously you're running with a head torch and it's kind of like driving a car in a snowstorm you know it's very poor visibility so you didn't get to see you I mean you had maybe one meter of visibility in front of you sort of thing so that was that was pretty pretty tricky but you know it's a lot of things that come into play that you know, you learn a lot of things on the bike that, you know, in sport translate across, you know, if that's managing your effort, managing your pace, managing your, your clothing, your nutrition, your everything, um, all those sort of factors come into play and, and are very, let's say, translatable from, from cycling, of course. But, you know, there, there was moments where, you know, as much as you try to stay focused and stay calm and, and stay like on task, for sure, there are moments where, you have moments of doubt, you have things that set in like the last kilometers. I was, I was quite sore and, and it was, it was becoming difficult obviously, but you know, you just kind of settle in and, and, and just get it done. So you get, obviously get quite a lot of people sort of doing it the other way around, like going from running or 
ski jumping maybe to go into cycling sort of a, a low impact sport like Mike Woods fellow Canadian Girona resident what made you go the other way from cycling to running um yeah I mean I think cycling is really interesting I always loved cycling uh cycling racing as a cyclist to me was something different than probably what running is to me for me the racing part of cycling was um really a means to just ride my bike every day. I loved riding my bike. I loved being outdoors. I loved the sport. I loved the the team aspect. I loved all those things. And I wasn't as much drawn to, in cycling, being a winner. I wanted to be a worker um, right from when I started. And I, when I started cycling, I was really inspired by you know, watching at the time teams like U.S. Postal or something and, and watching riders like Michael Berry, you know, who just spend the day on the front working and delivering, you know, a leader to to a victory. And I really identified with that kind of that kind of role in cycling. And but then over a period of time, you know, when I stopped racing and I was still riding quite a lot and I was getting a bit into bike packing racing and off-road racing and and I was kind of getting a little bit to the point where I kind of felt like within cycling there wasn't a lot of room more to grow from a personal perspective both physically but also just as a person and that sort of coincided at the same time with a couple of other factors like covid which meant we couldn't really ride outdoors and when we could it was a very close circuit. Like we had to stay inside our, our township essentially, uh, which meant like if you were riding on the road, you're literally doing loops around the block kind of thing. But running, we kind of had the hills behind the city that we could go in. And, and it just kind of started more a bit like that. And then a couple of personal reasons. And then, you know, I kind of lost cycling a little bit for a moment and then discovered trail running. Um, and then when I started... I just had this amazing feeling of, wow, like I'm an absolute novice at this. Like I am so terrible at running. Um, I'm so slow, you know, I'm terrible at descending like in technical terrain. I'm like, and it just felt like, it felt like that moment as a young guy picking up the bike where you just feel like there's a whole world to explore and there's so much to learn and there's so much growth that can happen in this discipline still. And that was just so intriguing to me when you've done something for so long where you feel like, you know, in cycling, I definitely, I realized like that was my peak, you know, when, when I was a professional and I did the tour de France and, and that, like that, that was the peak of that sport, you know, like now, no matter how hard I wanted to, I probably would not get back to the best I ever was there. But then in running, I felt like I had so much runway to like, start again and do something again and build up again and learn again and try to reach my best level in a new sport and a new discipline. So that was really, really attractive to me. So do you think you've still got room to get even better as a runner then? Or are you like looking for your next sport? Like should swimmers watch out? <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know how to swim. So that would be like really starting at the beginning. But <laughs> uh, no, I think there's a lot of still definitely a lot of room for growth in, in running and, you know, trail running is a massive sport 
you know, and you think about running in general as a sport is even so much bigger than, than cycling, to be honest, like around the world, so many people, more people run if it's from marathons to 5Ks to like everybody's running. And trail running is quite a new, let's say, discipline within running. But, you know, we're seeing the growth happen exponentially at the moment. And, you know, it is kind of a funny feeling to feel like you've won one of the main races at UTMB because it's, it kind of feels like a really big result. And initially you kind of feel like, well, I don't know if I can do any better than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, but obviously there's other races. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's not just going to be, you know, it's not one result that defines your career. You know, if I never win a race at UTMB again, I mean, that's fine, but you know, you've always won that race and, and you'll have always done that and you've always achieved that. But you know, there's definitely more challenges like UTMB itself is really the, really the pinnacle, you know, it's, it's sort of like winning the GC at the tour versus winning a stage. And, you know, at, at UTMB, um, 170 kilometers with 10,000 meters vert and all the best guys in the world are there on the day. So, I mean, that's something that I feel like I would like to, to attempt next year obviously a really big challenge because again it's it's tds is a big event but utmb is is definitely another step above that so you know it, it's be about kind of continuing to enjoy the sport and prepare for that and and see what happens you I mean at the end of the day i have i really have no pressure to to perform or to do anything um so i just do it for enjoyment and the love of pushing myself and when you got into trail running, was there anyone in particular that you kind of looked up to, like Jim Wormsley, who's just won the UTMB, or Tom Evans, who came from the army and he sort of fell into sort of ultra running? Was there anyone in particular that you were like, yes, that's like inspired you? Yeah, I mean, there were some few moments, probably more than than particularly runners that inspired me. I mean, here. You know, Girona is is an interesting place because as much as it's known for cycling, trail running is is huge here. So, for example, in Girona, there's a, a small sporting store just down the street from La Fabrica. And, you know, the owner of that, he won the CCC, which is the 100-kilometer race at, at UTMB. He won the CCC in 2015. I mean, there's a huge pedigree of, of trail running in Girona and Catalonia that isn't necessarily understood because, you know, everyone just talks about cycling. So there was kind of that kind of inspiration was always around and you almost kind of not took it for granted, but like you start running and you're straight away running with people that, you know, have been successful in the biggest races in the world. And then there was other moments, um, you know, there's a, a couple of particular films I remember watching on on YouTube that were really inspiring. And one was like in in 2015, Nike put together this this team of Americans that came over to like run at the UTMB week. And Americans had never really succeeded in Europe um, because the terrain is so different and this racing is so different. And they put this team together and they came over and they raced and they like won some of the one one or two of the races at UTMB that year. And it was like these cool things. And then another one was um, there's a, a Catalan runner. Her name is Nuria Picas, and she's a legend here. And, and she won UTMB 
Um, it might have been, I can't remember exactly the year, but probably around 2018-ish. She won the UTMB. And I remember watching that film and just seeing like the emotion of finishing and winning and and the emotion of that finish line. And you could see like how much the race had kind of taken from the person, right? Because it's so long and arduous and difficult. And then the emotion of arriving to that finish line, which is an exceptional finish line, the atmosphere. And that was also really inspiring. And it was something that watching that was something I've always kind of dreamed about, like how crazy it must be to, to experience that finish line and that atmosphere. So yeah, there's definitely some moments and, and, and people that, you know, helped and inspired along the way for sure. So there's this wonderful thing about cyclists. We can never admit when we don't know something and it's just like me and ketones. So someone would mention ketones and I'd be all like, yeah, I know what that means. It's basically just an energy supplement. And it is, but as I've dived into a bunch of research from ketones experts, HVMN, it turns out there's a lot more to it. So it sort of works like this. Usually we burn carbs when we cycle, then fat is a backup. Carbs is easy, chuck it straight in the furnace. But for fat to become fuel, we need to turn it into glycerol and fatty acids first. I've got low levels of ketones in my bloodstream as I speak. But what HVMN scientists have done is to work out how to literally make ketones and to put them into a sports drink. They call it HVMN Ketone IQ, and you can drink it during a ride or before a ride. And the idea is that instead of burning carbs, then fat, then ketones when you're cycling... With Ketone IQ, your body gets a big helping of energy-rich ketones to use alongside the carbs and fat all at once. So it's kind of three sources of energy, not two. So it's the reason why I've heard about World Tour teams like Jumbo Visma using ketones. They can help you effectively ride faster for, for longer. Right now, you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash cyclist. That's hvmn.com slash cyclist for 30% off. And if you want to learn more about how it all works, HVMN's got a brilliant podcast that's worth a listen called Health Via Modern Nutrition with Dr. Lat Mansour. It can be found at all the usual places. Don't forget that the Cyclist Magazine podcast isn't just a podcast. The clue is in the magazine bit. We were a magazine first and we still are. We're a monthly magazine. And right now, you can subscribe for three issues for £5. Just check out cyclist.co.uk. And there's also a really quite impressive little offer at the moment that we've got running, which is subscribe and get a sportful hot pack gilet, which is a very, very light gilet, which apparently, I know I've got the jacket version, and that had 60 kilometers of yarn in it because that's how thin the thread is. And this is a gilet version. So it's probably, you know, it hasn't got the arms, but it's probably got about 40K in it. But they're really, really good. They're weatherproof, windproof, all that jazz. I can absolutely vouch for it. It's a £75 free gift for subscribing, ladies and gents. So check out cyclist.co.uk and subscribe to our lovely magazine now. In terms of Girona, obviously you like one of the key figures of like the cycling community in Girona with La Fabrica service course, obviously you left. So then going from that to then joining the running community, which you say was already there, was that weird? And when like people looking at you being like, oh no, not a cyclist. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I think here the community, the running community before we opened the running shop was 
there's a lot of runners, but the community was probably a little bit scattered. And one thing that I really love and probably more proud of than anything is how the running store has been able to bring that community together. And just, you know, now we have group runs, three group runs per week. We have a lot of people coming out and, you know, community really is what kind of drives a lot of my inspiration for, for running because it's so open. Um, it's so relaxed. It's so inclusive on our runs. We get people who are racers, people who just do it for fun, but everybody comes out and do training sessions and, Everybody runs at their speed and everyone is welcome and feels welcomed. Whereas sometimes in cycling, you can have that feeling of, you know, there's a little bit maybe of exclusivity sometimes. And, you know, certain groups of racers don't want to ride with certain people who aren't fast enough. Or I just felt there was a little bit of that in cycling that running was so refreshing from that standpoint because everybody was just happy to run and come out and enjoy the process. And then, and then seeing them develop over the last year or two and getting faster and achieving goals. And, and that was, it's really unique and, and really rewarding. So, I mean, yeah, community for us is, is number one. And you've also got your clothing brand, Chance Running. Can you tell us a bit about that and how it came about? Yeah, Chance is, is a really cool project. It kind of really came at a time where, you know, it was starting to get quite anxious about you know what's happening in in on with the planet obviously climate change is a real thing it's something we can't really ignore or shouldn't ignore i mean it's affecting us more and more every year and it was really about trying to build a business that focused on doing good you know a real mission driven brand and to be able to make a difference. And in the end, like for myself and, and um, my co-founder, Tom, like sport is something that we really understand. Um, and clothing and, and sort of manufacturing of clothing is also something that I enjoy to do and, and have some understanding in. So it kind of became this thing of how can we make a difference? Sport is kind of the vehicle we know best. So we decided to to start Chance. I mean, Chance is, is probably more an environmental movement than it is really like uh, a business. Um, so when you buy products from us, we do some carbon offsetting, we plant trees, we eliminate ocean-bound plastic, and we do all three of those things for every product you you purchase. And, you know, we focus on recycled or biodegradable fabrics and and things that you know obviously we try to start at the source with with reducing impact and then trying to then even more so offset an impact at the end uh, for the consumer and it's kind of this thing with you know at the end of the day you know we want to provide a a better option for customers i mean obviously we want to have some of the best running apparel available but it's also about educating people to, you know, we make choices every single day on the products that we buy um, from your daily household products to your sporting equipment, your hobbies, whatever you do, you're making choices every day. And, you know, I think sometimes with, you know, sustainability or, or the issues around it and 
sometimes for people, it just feels overwhelming because they maybe don't know where to start or they feel it's an all or nothing kind of game. Like, oh, I need to just now I need to have an electric car. I need to have this and this and this and this, you know, but at the end of the day, really, it just starts with small decisions every day. You know, your, your basic things that you do around the house, you know, from changing your light bulbs to, okay, your next decision, it's something that you can kind of grow into, you know, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing, you know, going, you know, meatless once a week. It's like people, you don't have to become a vegetarian tomorrow or like that's not the goal. You know, it needs to be something that you feel comfortable and sustainable with. And then, you know, the feeling of, well, look, if you're going to run and you're looking for good running apparel, well, then here's an option that we want to be able to provide you that can help you make a better decision and and have good gear and, and do some good along the way. That sounds really cool. And what about um, when it comes to kind of both cycling and running events? These tend to be all over the world, especially like things like Tour de France. There's a lot of, there's a big environmental footprint for these massive sporting events. Like, and, you know, but traditionally cycling is environmentally friendly. So like trail running, you know, it's all about in nature. Everyone's loving it. What do you think needs to happen to, I guess, reduce these environmental footprints? Like how can we make these two sports better for the world? It's a big question, I know. No, I mean, cycling at the end of the day is, I mean, it, it seems like a very environmental, <laughs> very environmentally sustainable uh, sport. I mean, if, if, if you do it yourself and you're commuting to work and you're doing these things, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. You know, the tour de France, it's, it's very difficult because I mean, at the end of the day, you're talking about the infrastructure that the team uses to travel around France for three weeks, you know, that generates a massive impact. Um, you know, I know there's some teams who do offset their footprint of the year. Um, it's, you know, not enough. I mean, some teams are obviously sponsored by petrochemical companies, which is also kind of crazy. Not crazy, but like, you know, these are are difficult things to manage because on the one hand, you're kind of like, well, sport is there to inspire people. And on the other hand, it's a big business, you know, and a lot of people make their living from it. And, and what, but I mean, I think in general, you know, what some of these races like the tour have decided to do sometimes that don't make sense is, you know, starting in another country where the whole infrastructure has to fly. Um, and you do one or two days there and you fly the whole infrastructure back or, you know, really big transfers. I mean, if you think about the tour de France in 1930, it was town to town, you know, like you went to one town, you stopped and you started in the same town again, and then you stopped. And so really, I mean, it was a much more nominal footprint than doing three hours on the bus every day after the stage and another two hours in the morning before the stage. And at the end, sure, I mean, it depends on who, which town can afford to have a Tour de France start. But again, it, it's, it starts with, with basics. I mean, um, even in the few years, I mean, I guess it's, you know, a small example is biodegradable water bottles. Um, um, not that they biograde that quickly, but, you know, it, it's maybe one step. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky one with something like the tour because it's so difficult to manage that infrastructure, I guess. Um, so in that sense, it's really, I don't know what the answer is. 
it's difficult to say like, I mean, obviously teams can look at offsetting some of their impact and stuff, which is carbon offsets aren't always, they're not necessarily the right answer, but at the end of the day, they are something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's not as expensive as, as you think. Like I think most teams could allocate a budget into, into doing things like that. But, you know, in, in trail running, it's a really interesting one where at the, at the end of the day, it is something that is driven by the, by the runner themselves, right? Like the Tour de France is a select group of pros, teams, UTMB, it's people from all over the world who sign up and they come to do an event. Um, so I think at a certain point that comes down to educating the, let's say the, the athlete in like, you don't necessarily have to race UTMB every year. You know, if, if you're traveling from a faraway country, you know, there's a lot of events in your country. And I know like if you, Killian Journey, obviously who's a, an absolute legend of the sport and a big advocate of, you know, climate change and environmental subjects. I mean, they eventually have sort of come to the conclusion of, okay, we need to as athletes, professional athletes, you need to number the number of days that you spend traveling the world, you know, pick some key events and then, you know, race more locally. Or, you know, the thing that we have in Europe that's amazing is that you can kind of get to most races over land. I mean, you don't have to fly. I mean, you could either drive or take the train or do things to get to a lot of our races. It's a bit more difficult in countries like uh, the US and Canada, which are huge countries. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's deciding that, you know, it's a little bit sacrificing some of your your pleasures maybe and, and UTMB for some people is something that they might try to do every couple of years versus every year, um, you know, try to find more races that are local or within, you know, driving distance or public transport distance and just kind of just, I guess at the end of the day, it's being just conscious of what you would like to do. You know, we live in a world now where like traveling and, and jumping on a plane is so easy and, you know, since COVID's changed a bit, but so cheap that you didn't think about it really. I mean, you jumped on it almost as you would take the train or, or take a bus almost. So I think it's just having, stepping back and consciously looking a little bit at it and understanding a little bit what your impact is when you do those things and just building a little bit of a plan around, you know, I do my, like, I try um, to limit like myself personally to maybe one international flight a year if I can. And then a couple of more, maybe short haul within Europe. And by no means am I saying, oh, nobody should travel and get on a plane and like, you shouldn't see the world and you shouldn't do these things. But, you know, maybe you don't have to do it three times a year um, or four times a year. Um, And there's a lot to be done locally and seen locally. And yeah, and I think sometimes that also helps because when you only get to, you know, when you do things, you know, your bigger thing once a year, it tends to maybe add a little bit more value to it versus, again, living in a world where we feel like you're constantly kind of being bombarded with so much information and social medias and things where it always feels almost like if you're not out there doing things every day that you're kind of, you're somehow, you know, um, not living your best life. Um, you know what I mean? So I guess, again, it's about just 
being conscious, isn't it, about yourself and and what you want to do and the things you want to do and and when you do them to really enjoy them and and make sure that you're you're taking that all in and and having you know a really good experience. Looking back at your cycling career now, obviously from your perspective of trail running and everything that's happened in your businesses, is there anything that you would have done differently or anything that you look back on in a different way to how you thought it was at the time? Uh, I would say definitely not. I mean, I think everything that you do in life, every decision you make, it always takes you to the next point in your life. And, you know, you can look back and, and there was moments where maybe you could regret something. But, you know, for me personally, life really has ups and downs. And, you know, I think it would be strange if it didn't, um, because the downs are, are sometimes the most inspiring and motivational moments of your life. And you take a lot out of those. So no, I mean, I don't ever look back and think or wish I had done anything different or, or changed anything or, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's all led me to, to where I am now in my life and the next decisions will lead me somewhere else I don't know where yet but um, we'll take it as it comes and you sort of looking back at sort of the timeline of the different stages of your career sort of feels like you've seen through quite a lot of transitions that's not a Garmin team joke um, you've seen through a lot of transitions like you started your pro career in 2005 finished in 2016 we all know what was going on in 2005 that must have been quite a different place by the time you retired and similarly with Girona, I feel like the timeline of when you started La Fabrica, or even when you moved there before that to now, I'm guessing that has changed quite a bit too. It's not even comparable. I mean, when we arrived in Girona uh, with Garmin Slipstream, it was literally Garmin Slipstream um, had their service course here and we were maybe 10 riders. So most of the, let's say, non-European riders on the team they wanted them to live in Girona. It would be easier to manage visas, travel. You know, they had the HQ here. So in that sense, it was easier to manage us. And that was it. Like, there was nothing else. It was the sleepiest Catalan town. You know, nothing was going on here. Nobody rode bikes. Like, local people didn't ride bikes. It was, we were just kind of this group of people plunked into this little town. And then bit by bit, you know, as things happen and, you know, on, on teams, riders come and go. So riders would, would maybe not, would leave Slipstream sign for another team, but they'd still stay in Girona. And then more specifically Anglo-Saxon riders would come to Europe either through, through Slipstream or Garmin and then, or through other teams, but come because they had friends in Girona and there was a small community. And it just, you had this sort of organic growth to the point where we had like a hundred pros living here. And then with that, you know, it started to come a little bit of the media of like, why are all these pros living in Girona? What's so great about it? And then that kind of, again, funnels out. Then you get the first group of those early adopter type, more adventurous, semi-pro bikers coming like tourists who, you know, read about it or heard about it because so-and-so was living there. And then that just kind of kept growing and growing. And when we opened La Fabrica in 2015, so we'd already been there uh, seven years, it was still a lot like that. It was still heavy, heavy pro-focused. 
there wasn't much cycle tourism. There definitely wasn't as much like restaurants. Um, there was no specialty cafe. And it was really probably from, I would say, 2017 onwards where we really saw like the curve just went up and we started to get, uh, you know, more cycle tourism infrastructure, more um, sort of cycle tourism businesses open. And, and we saw this influx of, you know, more mainstream cycling coming to Girona. And at the same time, that then led to locally more people riding. And then the sport just really exploded here in, in Girona and surrounding area and, and Catalonia and Spain. And like, you felt like this kind of resurgence of, of cycling. And then in the last couple of years, sort of since COVID again, we've seen another sort of push of like more specialty cafes and more things going. Like if you come to Girona now, it's probably one of, for me, probably one of the most unique cities in the world because it's such an amazing sporting town. So many people doing sports, you have cycling, you have running, you have everything. But then you have all these like specialty cafes, all these restaurants, all this like everything that an athlete would love to have is kind of now here in this city and it's created this amazing little like sports town. And also like culturally, there's so many amazing things um, like just to enjoy because obviously everybody who comes isn't, isn't a racer or anything like that, but you come for like the cultural aspect is, is amazing with, you know, obviously we have Can Roca, which is one of the best restaurants in the world. You know, you've got, amazing wine like you've got everything you've got this medieval city you've got all the components that make up this like perfect little city and yeah it just seems to be still still kind of going from strength to strength which is which is pretty amazing you're making me want to move to Girona. <laughs> sorry yeah maybe that's your that's your next thing emma yeah i think i'm gonna have to come it sounds amazing what are your sort of next plans obviously continue running but generally in life are you like got another business that you want to start you want to sit still for a bit you know chill out uh good question uh i don't know i think there's there's always some unique opportunities uh floating around um for me right now i mostly feel like you know it's kind of strange because i realized in the last especially year and a half ish that i really enjoyed the lifestyle of being an athlete. I really enjoy training. I really enjoy figuring it all out, you know, the process of getting the best out of myself, you know, the marginal gains all behind it and and, and digging into the nerdy stuff about what it takes to try to kind of be the best at something or as good as you can, the best out of you at something. And I really love that. And at the moment, you know, this year I'm very fortunate because also my my wife Amber lets me kind of <laughs> pretend to be that. Let me pretend that I'm still an athlete. Um, so you know, I've got the time that she lets me dedicate to to doing the sports and and that. So I think for the moment, I just want to enjoy that for a couple of years and or however long I don't know and. You know, the, the projects and the businesses, I mean, those are always there. I mean, there's always something to do. There's always something that you can 
start or an idea that you have. But at the moment, I feel like I just kind of want to have as little to do as possible and, and enjoy running and, and seeing, you know, what we can kind of, what we can do there. Perfect. Thanks very much for your time. I hope you do get some kind of rest at some point <laughs> before you go and run another 160k, 10,000 meters. No, I mean, I, the other thing with, 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 the, with the running though is, is you really can't do as much. You know, like most people, you know, maybe you do 100 mile race a year and you can do like shorter ones and stuff in the buildup, but it's definitely not like cycling where you're doing 100 race days a year. So, um, it's nice like that because you get to have nice blocks of training and enjoying and, and just putting the work in and being out in nature. So that's quite nice. It sounds lovely. Sounds like a dream. <laughs> well, Christian, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Christian. Lovely to chat to you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for your time and uh, thanks for reaching out. Well, I thought he was a really good guest. Absolute inspiration. I can't wait to head to Girona. It sounds wonderful. I know. And I, I, I did go at the end of last year and it was really good. I want to go back. What did you think about it? I thought it was really good. I want to go back. <laughs> no, there was so much cycling. Like he's saying, obviously now it's just crazy. Like everywhere you look, people cycling, cycling cafes, cycling tourism, really good. I didn't actually see the running side of it. Um, but obviously I'm sure it's a similar level to what you see now. But yeah, it's just so nice to cycle around there. There's so much gravel. Obviously, there's a big road stuff like you can ride up to like the Southern Pyrenees, which is obviously great. You get like Rocacorba, you can ride to the coast, you can ride to Barcelona, Ooh, not that far away. Lovely. Yeah, it's just really nice. And well, would you ever do any one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, UTMB races? Because they, they start, I think, 50K and go up quite big, 170 or something mad. Having done one single flat marathon so whatever that is 42, 42k yeah. 42k was a flat 42k was way too far but they do say that a, a marathon is actually harder than like an ultra which apparently is anything over a marathon because a marathon's all about timings like you run 50k no one asks oh what time did you run it in well th that depends on your perspective going into the marathon and whether you're an elite athlete. <laughs> well, so, of course, as an elite athlete, it was... Yeah. For me, the perfect distance... And it's, obviously, it's different running on road and off-road. And like Christian was mentioning, obviously, you're not just sprinting up a mountain. Mm. You've got poles. You're going to have to walk a little bit. But, yeah, a half marathon, actually, I think is the ideal distance for me. Like, when I did my marathon, I did a really good half. And then I was like, <laughs> just got to get to the finish now, don't I? Do you think cycling is easier than running? Yes. Is that because it's more gentle on your joints or is that because you just do more of it? Well, it's because running, you're using your whole body all the time. Cycling, you have a lot of rest. Even when you're, you know, full effort, it's a full effort bike. It's not the same as a full effort run, right? A run, you get to like your max and you're like, okay, I have to stop. Whereas cycling, you can just stop pedaling and you're still going and it's still fun. That's true. And you can then get going again a lot easier. That's why I prefer cycling. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> But do you get the same headspace? So when you're doing the marathon, you know, when you go, you run for a long time, you get a really beautiful meditative headspace. Do you get that same headspace with cycling or is it kind of two different? I think it's different. It obviously depends how you run and how you ride. 
But for me, it's very different because running, you're like, okay, I literally just need to keep going. My mind's telling me to stop, telling me it hurts, telling me I need the toilet kind of thing. <laughs> Whereas running, you're li- or cycling, you, you know, enjoy the scenery saying this is amazing. You have like your efforts where you're like, okay, now I'm pushing it. And like your legs turn you to stop. But if you stop, it basically just means, you know, take it a bit easier. And then obviously you get the descent, whatever. I prefer the style of the headspace that I get from cycling because I find I can enjoy where I am a lot more from running. But that's also a perspective from when I've run. So if I'm running and I'm running slower, taking it easier, I can still get that. But like you say, you're running a marathon, you want to run it basically quite quickly, quickly, relative. But um, I am actually new goal for me we talk about your goals we can finish with my goals i'm having just done a sprint triathlon which is 5k run 20k bike 750 meter swim i enjoyed it i thought it was a bit short (gasps) stop it you're going olympic iron man half iron man i think a half iron man is what i want to do oh my god this is huge oh (laughs) phenomenal especially what I felt, because obviously, very obviously, the bike was my favourite part of the triathlon. Hmm. 20k bike is nothing. 90k bike is nothing. Well, exactly. But you can get a lot more on, like, say, other people doing a triathlon. They're probably going to be better at running than me. Maybe similar on the swim, maybe a little bit better. But 90k bike, you can gain a lot of time. That's true. Whereas the time I could gain on a 20k bike wasn't actually that much. So when is this half my Iron Man? Just so everyone is aware and we can all. I don't know. I've I've literally just decided that right, right now. now. Oh my god, I love it. Well, honestly, you've heard it here first. Will Strickson half Iron Man? I think a full Iron Man is way too much. Well, watch the space. Never say never. A marathon is too far. So doing a marathon after that is still too far. Never say never. Don't write it off just yet. Do the half and then see how you feel. That's the thing. I think I'll do the half and just be like, you kind of just have to tick the big one off then, don't you? Exactly. So this is so exciting. Will Strickson's now doing a full Ironman. <laughs> I don't want to commit to that. Not doing a full one. I need full people that do full Ironman. You can't. Do you have a life, do you? You have to either be swimming, cycling or running. You don't have time <laughs> for anything else. all times of the day. <laughs> yeah. You don't have time for anything else. <clears throat> it's all about balance. You'll get into it once you get the timetable. Yeah, balance by doing... It's all about blocks as well. <laughs> a third of your day. <laughs> cycling, a third swimming, a third running. And then sleep at some point. Sleep's overrated. Uh, anyway, anyway, I'm joking. Sleep's great. Anyway, we are a cycling magazine podcast. We're also a cycling website and magazine, so don't forget to subscribe, get involved, get on those social channels, tell Will that he's doing a full Ironman. Tell me that I should stick to cycling. <laughs> Thanks for listening in and see you in a fortnight. Goodbye. <laughs> Proper uh, weakest thing ending. <laughs>
And this is a gilet version. So it's probably, you know, it hasn't got the arms, but it's probably got about 40K in it. But they're really, really good. They're weatherproof, windproof, all that jazz. I can absolutely vouch for it. It's a £75 free gift for subscribing, ladies and gents. So check out cyclist.co.uk and subscribe to our lovely magazine now.